You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 43. And in this episode, my dear Quiet Rebel, we are going to be talking about how to sell ethically without the sleaze, especially during sensitive times. So at the time of this recording, many of us are experiencing the uproar of the world as we are suddenly being confined into our homes due to the coronavirus. And depending on when you are listening to the show, I just want to share with you that everything that my special guest is going to be talking about, it is applicable whether you're confined or not confined in your home. And I wanted to really bring this topic to light now because I know that many people, they already struggle with wanting to sell because they feel like it's a disservice to people, even though it's actually quite the opposite. But there's almost like this new layer, a very thick layer of sensitivity that needs to be considered during the sales process. Because for me, I've always been drawn to the pull marketing and the pull sales methods than it is the push. Hence, if you ever listen to episode number nine with Rai Schwartz, we talk about the coaching, the conversion method. So it's definitely something to check out, put it in the show notes for this episode to check out later. But the point is that I've always been attracted by the pull and not the push. And I'm pretty sure if you're a quiet rebel and you have been following along for quite some time now, that's something that you resonate with too. And so that's why I knew I had to get an expert onto the show to talk about ethical sales. And I know this person because I actually guested on her show a couple of months back talking about how to pitch the podcast to share your voice. And that is something that I do want to let you know. At the time of this recording, I decided to open the doors for a brand new revamped version of my podcast guesting group program. This is actually going to be done live, so it's not actually a pre-recorded sort of thing. And this is for you if you really want to actually hunker down into your podcast guesting strategy so you can share your voice and your message to those who really need you right now. And even outside of the whole coronavirus era, as we refer to in this episode, you know, podcast guesting is something that I wholeheartedly believe in because it's actually shaped my business that it is today. And I would love to be able to extend that opportunity to you if it's something that you want to learn right now. And so if you are interested in learning, it is via interview only. And so I'm going to pop a link in the show notes where you can actually book a call straight onto my calendar to see if it's a good fit for you right now. And if not, no worries. But ultimately, I thought it was actually a good thing that I wanted to talk about this before we even get into the episode. Because the one mindset shift I want you to make, my dear Quiet Rebel, is that even now during the sensitive time, it is still okay and you should sell the things in your business that's going to help your people who need you right now. So my special guest is going to say it way more eloquently than I am, so I am going to let her take the reins from here on out. And so here we go. This is the place to be if you want the courage to live your life and run your business in a way that's true to you. Contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. But here's the thing. There's no time for you to be playing small anymore because you can make an impact on the people you want to help in this world by showing up and owning your message. And it is my personal mission to support you on your journey with every single episode. I am your host, Meike Sang, and it is my honor to welcome you to The Quiet Rebellion. Let's dive in. Hello, my dear Quiet Rebels. I am so excited for our special guest today because we actually set this in advance like a couple of weeks ago, like 
all before this whole like coronavirus thing started. And do you know what? This topic is more important than ever. And I love that this was like already in the cards for us. And so my special guest is going to be sharing with us how to sell without the sleeves during sensitive times. Because if you generally you know, have struggled with sales, honestly, because you don't want to be sleazy, you don't want to be pushy or anything like that. Now is the time to really hone in on this because now that people are extra sensitive, you want to make sure that you're reaching them at a certain part in their journey in, you know, where their minds are and to really meet their needs. And so I can't think of anyone else other than Erica Tebbins to talk about this. So Erica, welcome to the Quiet Rebels podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and excited to talk about this. Oh, I know you're excited because this is like <laughs> your own podcast, Sell It Sister, is really about, you know, helping us to like move past this feeling of sleaze. And the beautiful thing is like, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel that many people who worry about being sleazy are actually the least, if not like the not sleazy people at all, because they have that compassion. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are so many misconceptions about what selling is or what it should look like. And usually when I talk to people or work with my clients, I'm like, Oh no, like that thing that you're afraid of, like that's not sleazy at all. Like not at all. And then they usually have a shift in mindset around it and then can feel a lot more empowered about selling and also not fearing bothering people with selling. Mm, yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. It's mainly a mindset shift. So definitely some practical strategies to apply for sure. But first of all, it is a mindset shift. I have some background info on like what you've already shared with me, but I would love to know how is it that you went from selling tuxedos <laughs> as one of your first um, like sales jobs to actually becoming like a go-to expert to learn about non-sleazy selling. Like tell us all the things. Yeah. So my very first job ever was at a tuxedo sales and rental place. Um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. So it was one of my high school jobs and we got paid, I think it was, you know, like minimum wage and then commission. Mm. And I didn't care at all about like I had no emotional attachment to what I was selling. So I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to make sure that my customers were happy, but I wasn't, it wasn't like it was my own business. It wasn't like if they said no, I was going to be offended. So it was kind of this really cool way of learning how to sell that was effective. And also, you know, like if I'm getting part of my pay is on commission, I want to be upselling as much as I possibly can. And so it was sort of this way of figuring out how can I do that without it being annoying? How can I do that so that people say yes instead of no? And I had that job for a long time, actually. So I just got really, really, really used to it. And I was really, really good at it. And then I had, you know, a few other jobs throughout high school and then random jobs in college. And then after college, I was actually a high school teacher for a bit. That's what I went to college for. And then I moved. I married someone who was in the Navy. So we moved and I couldn't teach in the new state that we moved to. I also got pregnant around that time, had my son. And then I was like, okay, when he was a year old, I'm going to go back to work. And I, knew that I was good at retail selling. So I ended up in retail management. So I was running this gigantic Calvin Klein store, super, super busy store. And I had a huge team of like over 40 people. 
So I had to be really good at selling and I had to be really good at teaching other people how to sell. None of us got paid on commission, but we did have these sales goals. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make sure that everyone on my team was giving amazing customer service and closing sales and upselling and all of that stuff. So I did that. I was successful at that. The Navy moved us again. I didn't want to work in retail management anymore because the hours are insane. And so I randomly started working for an organic vegetable farm. So on Saturday mornings, I would go and I would work the farmer's market stand for them. And because of all of this experience that I had, I started telling the farmer like, hey, we could adjust the display a little bit. We could adjust some of our customer service. Like We could do this, that, and the other and have more success. And luckily, he was really open to that. And what ended up happening was I became the market stand manager. Like They'd never had one before. So I did hiring, training, wow. uh, visual merchandising, just like all of this stuff that I had been doing in the corporate world. I brought it over to the farming world, which was really interesting. And Then I had a really unexpected journey in the world of direct sales. I was a leader, so I had my own team. So again, like the common thread is I'm teaching other people how to have successful businesses. I'm selling for a living, but this time it's my own business. And then at the end of 2016, I realized I really wanted to help other women who had businesses. I wanted to help them have more success because I had two good friends the year before who'd started their own businesses, two entirely separate businesses. And I was helping them. And I had just been doing this for so long that I, what I was seeing and realizing is that women start amazing businesses every day, really cool, very needed businesses. And they're amazing at what they do, but they don't understand how to run a business and they really struggle with selling. Mm. And I was like, if I could just teach people simple sales and marketing that feels really good and ethical and natural, then these businesses could thrive. And so I took a leap and I was like, I'm going to do some business consulting. At that point, I literally was like, do people even pay other people for this? Like I had no clue, but I actually closed my other business. It was very successful at the time, but I was like... Nope. If I'm going all in on this other thing, I don't want to split my attention. So I closed up that business. I moved everything online and I haven't looked back. So that's like the very long meandering story. But basically, like the thread all throughout that is that I really enjoy teaching this stuff to other people. And I feel like it's a crucial component of running a successful business. Yeah, definitely. I mean, without revenue coming in, there is no business. And I, I'm totally there with you when you said that, like many women, like, you know, men too, but I know that you are uh, serve women, but I mean, sell it sister. I mean, come on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure that they're so good at the actual thing that they're doing in their business, but the actual business aspects themselves like that is those foundations are often very shaky that was my biggest downfall when I first started as well so I'm so glad like you've already like honed in your expertise from so many different areas where sales was like the common thread as you said and now you teach people how to do this for a living and now you do it all online which is amazing so Erica, with all of that in mind, I mean, where can people start to get better? Like we talked about the mindset shift. So could you share with us like probably like what is the most limiting belief that maybe some women have? And for the men who's listening, you count in this conversation too. Yes. <laughs> I have to be aware of my, my lovely men who are in the audience too. But yeah, it's just in general, what do you think is like the number one mindset shift people need to have? Stop themselves from self-sabotaging their sales process and just like their sales results. 
So I think that even before like a limiting belief, I think there's a huge misconception Mm. that everybody knows what all of our offerings are and that if they're interested, they will just come to us and like look it up and then reach out. Mm -hmm. And it's really not true. If you just think on a practical level of how much information we take in every single day, the reason why it seems obvious to you is because it's your business. You're the one putting together the offers. You're the one hemming and hawing over the pricing. You are the one thinking about that and living it every single day. But other people don't necessarily know or they make up stories in their own mind, like about maybe what your pricing is or what your availability is or any of those things, right? So the job is really on us to let people know what we have and how they can get it. And so that is just like a huge thing. Part of why we don't do that is because of the limiting belief that there is something inherently wrong or evil with charging money to help people, especially because a lot of businesses are based on a premise of like service and helping people with something. So while there are amazing creative businesses that maybe they make stickers or coffee mugs and stuff like that. And I have had some really creative clients who do that for their business. But a lot of times it's easier to say like, well, somebody can just decide if they like that and need that. But like if I do sales copy for somebody, I should really just be helping them for free or some people are going to be mad at me if I charge for this or what I do isn't valuable enough to charge for it. Or even I would say the biggest, biggest, biggest one is this thing is so easy for me. So I can't possibly ask somebody to pay me for this. And I would say that is actually probably like the biggest limiting belief. And so what I always say to my clients and just, you know, people that I'm teaching on this is that it is easy to you because it's your gift. So it's either the thing that you have been practicing for years and or you just really love and geek out about and or it's just a talent that you've had. And that doesn't mean that it's not the most challenging thing for somebody else. Here's an example. I have a client. She does family photography. She's amazing. And amidst all of this, she already wanted to add a new branch to her business that is teaching moms how to use their own phones and cameras to take pictures of their kids. Because it's not like everyone gets family photos every three months or something. You want to capture those moments in between. So now with coronavirus and everything, she's had to kind of put this into place, this other plan into place a little bit sooner since she can't do the in-person photography right now. But when we were talking about it and sort of pre-planning it, she was like, I don't know, you know, it's just sometimes it feels crazy that people would pay me to teach them how to do this because it's just so simple. Even like culling images and and editing them from your phone and to make your own family photo album that's like printed out. And I was like, yeah, but that's because this is your passion. This is the thing that you do. This is the thing that you have been doing for years. So it feels really easy for you. But to somebody else who has never taken a single photography class, who doesn't know anything about it, who just wants to take better pictures of their kids and actually remember to print them out, it means the world to them. And that doesn't mean you have to charge thousands upon thousands of dollars, but we pay for stuff that we find valuable 
every single day. And so I think it's that we all have to remember, and I include myself in this too, that just because it's easy for you does not mean it's not a valuable investment for somebody else. Mm. Oh my gosh, that is so true. And isn't it interesting how our own self-perception of our gifts is vastly different than how other people perceive us is so true that's the things that come easy to us the things that we really love like like some people out there be like oh i would pay like big amounts just to have this taken off my plate or that train me because i don't know anything about this but i know you do it's crazy um the difference of perception there for sure and i totally agree with you that we do have a duty like, to put ourselves out there i love the example that you gave about the family photographer there's a line that you said is like capturing the moments in between like that is what's going to help make an offer really valuable because that is the transformation that they're looking for mm-hmm. and so which brings me to kind of like the next part of the interview. So that's the major mindset shift that we need to realize that people don't see our gifts the way that we do. We kind of take ours for granted. We overlook how brilliant our gifts are and some people need it and mm-hmm. they do need it and they will pay for it. And so that brings me to the next part of the conversation, which is um, I know that you have a specific method called the no sleeve selling method. So could you share with us like, what that means, what it entails, and how we can implement it in our businesses. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, it's a really sensitive time. So for those who were already scared about feeling sleazy, I know that this is going to really help them. So could you tell us, Erica? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's easy to remember, and I have it as a free download too, so you don't have to like take notes right now and memorize it or anything. But it's the acronym of the word sales. So the first letter S, you want to set the tone. So you just always want to be approachable, essentially. So this really came from my time in face-to-face selling, which is like when you walk into a store, like a retail store, you want to feel welcome. It feels awful when you are in a place and the employees, especially if it's like a small boutique or something, are just kind of really busy working and they don't even acknowledge that you've walked through the door. You're kind of like, oh, am I interrupting you? Like working? (laughs) You're here to help me. And now I feel like I'm annoying you that I'm here. So just like setting that tone. And this can be if you do discovery calls or whatever, or even just how you approach your social media or your website, you want to set this approachable tone for people. So whether it's a discovery call on Zoom or you're face-to-face having coffee or you actually sell in like a brick and mortar store, you want to ask good questions. So the A is for ask good questions. So if I'm talking to somebody and they might be a potential client for me, like we're on a discovery call, I'm going to find out like, what are you struggling with? What are some of your goals right now? Like really ask them these questions because I don't have just one offer. I might find that, oh, actually they do probably need to work with me for six months. Or maybe they could just do a half day intensive and then get their strategy plan and be good to go. So I want to ask really good questions so that I can find the right solution for them. Because all that selling really is, is it's just serving people with right solutions for them. Mm -hmm. So the L stands for listen, limit, and lead. So as you're asking questions, you want to be a really good listener. Again, think of you went into a boutique. And somebody's like, oh, you know, what are you shopping for? And you're like, I'm going to my cousin's wedding and I need a new dress. 
okay, what if your boutique has like 20 different styles of dresses, right? You're not just going to be like, oh, what size are you? Here you go. Here's all of our dresses in that size. Go try them on. Like that's really overwhelming to most people. So you might ask them some questions like, do you prefer a little black dress that you can wear all the time? Do you want something that's more colorful because, you know, it's a summer wedding Do you like the length to be shorter, longer, sort of in between? Like you're going to just keep asking and then listening and responding to whittle down the options as you go. I like to picture it in my mind. I'm a very visual person, like a flow chart, right? So if you have the 20 dresses and they say like, no, I actually want something that's more colorful. You're like, okay, well, if five of them were little black dresses, now I've eliminated those options. And now I'm going to keep asking new questions and then limiting the options back and then eventually leading them to one or two solutions as humans are not good about having kind of more than three max things to Mm -hmm. to choose from. Our brains just like they get overwhelmed and the confused mind says no and people just shut down. So you want to limit to just a very few options for people. And then E stands for expect the yes. So you have done a good job up into this point. And so at this point, you really should just be expecting at this point that they're going to say, okay, yes, I'm ready to get started working with you. Or what's the next step? Or yes, I'll take that dress. And from that point, the last S is just sincerely thank. And if you need to do any follow-up or if it's a brick and mortar store, invite them to come back or whatever that sort of final step in the process is where if you're like, okay, well, awesome. So here's what I'm going to do is send over a contract and, you know, da, 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 and all of that. So it's really the biggest parts of this are right at the beginning. It's like the beginning middle part. And you really, really want to focus on making sure that you have, you're solving their problem. So an example I always give is if somebody was not quite ready to work with me in my largest package. I might say, okay, well, let's try this other thing first. So maybe that's one of my courses or maybe that's my half day intensive. And then we're at least going to get you going. And maybe you find that you don't need that ongoing support. And that's great. Maybe you already have a team and I, you just need the strategic plan for your marketing and, or you need a new offer and the marketing plan for it. We can craft that together. I'll hand it off to you. And then you and your team can just run with it. And that's awesome. And then later, if they come back and they're like, actually, I really do think that I need some more accountability. I need some more long-term help. Perfect. But I would rather get somebody into the thing that is the best fit for them right now and really create that trust and build a long-term relationship with them rather than oversell them something that isn't quite the best fit for them right now. Mm. Even just like if you think about regular stuff that you buy, again, going back to that boutique, it feels really frustrating when you feel like somebody's not listening to you and they're just trying to sell you something that you don't necessarily need. So even if the like spring dresses are 40% off, if I can get her to buy this black dress, I'll make more commission on it. You'd rather get somebody in and have them buy that 40% off dress and make a smaller commission now and have a really good experience with you because then they're more apt to come back, to tell their friends and to maybe spend more money next time or spend over the course of a year or two years, three years to spend more money with you. 
Yeah, that's such a good point. Like not to oversell because here's the thing. There are periods as entrepreneurs where we are in a tight spot. I mean, like maybe this is one of the tight spots for many of us right now. And so how can we get over this scarcity feeling when we do have bills to pay, but we still want to maintain that relationship? And what advice would you give there? I mean, we've got bills to pay, but we don't want to oversell, but we kind of need them to buy the highest package. So what would you say there? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it depends. I think in this situation right now, it's very weird because of the whole fact of like social distancing is that for anyone that really relies on an in-person service, that's hard. I know right now as of today in our state, it's all on non-essential businesses have to be closed until the middle of April. So my hairstylist she physically cannot do her job right now. Mm -hmm. So that is a real challenge. Massage therapists, people who do acupuncture, they legitimately cannot offer the service that they do. But if you are somebody who offers a digital service, an online service, there are ways that you can still think about it and approach it. So one way to think about it is who are the ideal people for you to begin with? Are those people going to be hugely financially impacted right now or not so much, right? So if the people that you serve are still people who might not really be too out of work or anything, they're not people who are in the restaurant industry or the service industry, it might not really affect those people as much. Mm. And another way to think about it is we buy what we feel is valuable to us. So is the thing that you offer very valuable to people right now? Can you position it as real and not sleazy way Mm -hmm. as this is something that can actually help you right now? Or do you need to put something in place for the moment to sort of help get people over that hump to where they can even focus on the next step. So let's just say you are a life coach for moms or something. Well, right now, if you're a mom that is suddenly has all your kids at home and you were already feeling stressed and now everyone is at home, you are probably not going to be doing long range mindset work. Mm -hmm. Most moms right now are not going to be in a headspace to be like, oh, where do I want to be like a year from now as a mom? (laughs) We are just sort of like, I just need to figure out what I'm supposed to do now that we are all under one roof 24-7 and I am feeling really worn down. So it could be beneficial to have a temporary offer that meets people exactly where they are right now Mm. and gives them a tangible result. Like we are going to make a plan for you for the next 30 days of what you can do while everyone is at home and how to manage your own mindset and create some boundaries and expectations and, and all of that. And then once you've gotten people over that hurdle, then they might be a right fit for ongoing work with you. Yeah, that is so important. I mean, just meeting people where they're at, that is important, whether it's a sensitive time or a less sensitive time, because that many people are on edge right now. So their priorities may have changed in the last couple of weeks than just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, just kind of like offering something that meets their immediate need is so key. And at the time of this recording, I was going to launch my group program for podcasting in June, but now 
I've moved it up that the enrollment is open as of this recording because people are telling me, hey, we can't speak on stages this year, but we can speak on podcasts from the comfort of our own home. And for me, I feel great knowing that I'm providing a solution. Like, yes, it's a great opportunity for my business as well, but it's service first before self-importance. So I love what you said there. I just meet people where they're at create a pop-up offer or a temporary offer that can help them literally where they are now and with what they're currently going through. So I love that. And I wanted to um, ask you, so for me personally, I found that the quality of the sales calls I've had in my business so much better when I actually had a pre-qualification um, mm. process in place because the majority of the quiet rebels who are listening, they are online business owners, service providers, course creators and, and the like. And so could you share with us maybe what you've done with your own clients or what you do in your own business to help pre-qualify people because many people who don't have this in place they come to me feeling frustrated that they're always oh, it me is it my offer i don't know but actually it's just because they don't have that in place so could you kind of share with us what we can have in place in our own businesses to kind of save time save energy and to make sure we are talking with the people who are a good fit for us yeah. So I think that you can start with this in a lot of your copy, like on a sales page and just on your website in general to really be calling out who this offer is a good fit for and who it's not a great fit. I think you can even if let's say you're selling in an Insta story, especially if it's like a little quick pop up offer, and you're not going to go through like the whole process of doing a sales page, you're just sort of organically promoting it to really say this is who it's for, this is who it's best for, this is the result that you can expect from it. And it's probably not a good fit if or even if you omit the not a good fit, you're like, this is a good fit for people who are x, y, and z, right? That is going to already help people self-select. And then on the back end, if you have, let's say, a discovery call form or like a an intake form of some sort where people have to put in a little bit of info before you hop on a call or start the invoicing process, there's some back and forth on this. But I really like to have a thing that says, at this moment, are you able to invest whatever my lowest amount is? Now, this doesn't mean I still won't talk to them, but because you never know, somebody might say no. Like I had somebody who did this and then we had already been connected on Instagram. So she messaged me and said, I filled it out. I checked no, but she's like, I only checked no because right now is my slow season, but I want to figure out what the options are so that when I have more revenue coming in, I really do want to work with you. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. So not now doesn't mean not ever is something I like to say. So it's not like if somebody checks no, I'm like, forget it. We're not hopping Mm -hmm. on phone or on Zoom. It's more of just if somebody is literally like, I have zero money to invest right now. And I am nowhere close to even being able to hire you and and all of this. I also don't want to waste their time, right? Because for people who do what I do, there's a huge range of pricing that people offer. And if they want a business coach that is under a certain amount, like you could probably hunt around on the internet and find one. So I sort of view it as like a two-way street. Like I'm still always happy to chat with people, but if they are looking for like bargain basement, like $20 a month help or something like that, I also don't want to waste their time on the discovery call. So I think both of those things help. And it's okay to recognize that we cannot serve 
every single person as like a paid offer. And there's all sorts of ways you can nurture people for free and you can serve people for free, but you don't have to give of your direct time constantly for free things. Mm, 100%. And I do have a follow-up question. So you mentioned about putting like almost like a pricing minimum in your intake form. Do you put prices on your website? Because I know this is like quite a debate for some people, whether or not to put pricing on website. Like I personally do because I'm very upfront about my pricing and the offers like here's exactly like here's everything. If you still want to reach out to me, please do. And they and they like send an application. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like, do you think it's most effective when people don't put on their pricing or they do? So um, this is mainly for service-based businesses. So it's not on a sales page where there is a price, but just say like, you know, for a one-on-one coaching business, what are your thoughts on that? I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. So I always do. And I know that there are certain things where it's like you do conversion copywriting or you build out websites like there there's so many variables that it could range from $1000 to $10,000. I get that for some services it really depends on the scope of the work and the project and everything. So my prices don't ever really change. It's just the package price cuz I don't do any done for you work. And I really like to do that. And I appreciate even if for with like done for you services, even if they have a starting at price or just something to like give me a guidepost because I don't want to waste anyone else's time either. So I had this happen a few years ago where a woman I know who is just an amazing copywriter, she's fantastic. And I was looking into hiring her for a nurture sequence and She didn't have any pricing on her website and she came back with a quote that was so far beyond what I was willing and able to invest in that moment that I actually felt bad for wasting her time for like Mm. researching and doing the proposal and everything because occasionally we have those moments where we're like, ooh, this is a little bit of a stretch, but it feels worth it. So I'm going to figure it out. I've had plenty of investments like that that I've even done. But beyond a point, it's like we all have our upper threshold. And I don't want somebody to, again, like if they think it's going to be super rock bottom pricing or something like like the Walmart of coaching, like I don't want somebody to think that. And then I tell them my rate and they're like, oh, there's no way in hell I could ever pay that. Whereas somebody else might look at it and go, oh, that's a great part, like price. I'm sure I'm happy to pay that. I try to be very mindful of my time and other people's time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really good practice because if you hear someone say like, oh my gosh, whatever is so expensive. Having a house cleaner or something is so expensive. And then you're like, really? Like mine is only, I don't know, 80 bucks. Like I, I'm just making up numbers here. <laughs> and like to you, for the peace of mind of having it done and not having to worry about it, if you pay $80 a week, that might not feel expensive to you at all. But cost and expensive and inexpensive, it's all super relative. So somebody else might be like, that's freaking astronomical. Like I cannot believe anyone would ever pay that. I'll just do it myself. And somebody else is like, hell no, I don't want to do it myself. Right. So I think because we all bring our own biases to things on like what is too expensive or what is a quote unquote reasonable price for something, it can really be all over the map. So I just like to save myself the headache and have it there. 
Yeah, me too. Ever since having this pre-qualification process in place, I only speak to qualified leads who are pretty much just telling me like, when can I get on your calendar? And I'm like, wow, this has never happened before. And it's definitely because of the pre-qualification process. So you're right that it does matter, um, especially if it's not a set package, like if there's a huge scope, because like, I used to do copywriting work for my past clients. I don't do that anymore. I do podcast guesting now. So back then, there's so many variables. The scope can change so easily because a lot of it is very, very custom. But then, you know, moving forward, I was like, okay, this is the offer now. There's not a lot of like scope creep that can happen. There's actually no scope creep that can happen now. And that's really helped. And just putting like a project minimum at least or the actual package price and they see the price rise every couple of months when the demand is high. So that is very, very good to know. And there's a question that I've been dying to ask. <laughs> and that is this. Ever since I came back from my conference last week, it's uh, TCC IRL. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. The Copywriter Club in real life is mainly for copywriters, but the marketers as well. And literally ever since I came back, like the bubble was popped like when we came back into the reality of today just so that it's relevant whether it's coronavirus era or not coronavirus era like i want this um conversation to happen and that is when everyone else is kind of going one way so in my case a lot of people in my space are doing like free trainings free resources free everything it kind of makes people feel guilty if they're actually still selling something like for me and like i'm doing a free workshop and um, to help people pitch the podcast and that was simply because i put out the call like hey is anyone interested in this loads of people were interested so that's why i ran it but if i didn't do that then i would actually feel really guilty because i felt like everyone else was being generous and you know with their free resources but i would feel guilty for even trying to sell something so and i know i'm not the only one who thinks this because not everybody has the bandwidth to pull together free resources like that. Like I know there are huge influencers who were able to put together a free course or maybe they could band all their courses together and make them temporarily free or they got all of their expert friends to like pitch into something or something. They already had those things and they made it free, which is why it was easier. But for those of us who don't have that same bandwidth, we don't have those same assets, what would you have to say for this? Like, because um, I'm very curious what you think about kind of like moving away from the guilt and knowing that we are still serving, but right now it's really difficult to find that balance. So what would you say to that, Erica? <laughs> That's a really great question. And, you know, it's something for me too. I've been sort of mulling over myself, mm. but I think what it really comes down to is we have to take a look at content and useful stuff we're already putting out for free to be of service. So whether that is you are guesting on podcasts and then you're sharing those with your audience wherever you are on social media. If you have your own podcast, if you have your own blog, if you're guest blogging, if you have a free opt-in, if you, you know, I mean, my gosh, there's like a million ways, like a, a free Facebook group. There are so many places that you can show up and give free value. You could just pop into Insta stories and give someone free value uh, in like under five minutes. So all of that counts as being of service. And I am a huge believer. I, like, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, showing up and serving because I am a huge, huge believer in being of service. I think it is really important and it's something we should all, sort of always be focused on. But on the back end, we are running businesses, not hobbies, right? And we only have an unlimited amount of time and energy for ourselves. So I could show up in a Facebook group and teach general concepts to people for free and give them best tips. But I can't just open up my 
coaching calendar and say like, all right, everyone book free, free (laughs) sessions and I'll help you, you know, give individualized advice. Right. So I could show up. I actually think this week I'm going to offer some spots for like helping people restructure their work weeks since everything Mm -hmm. is just wonky right now. It's one of the things I'm really good at is like helping people prioritize what they should be working on. So I can go into my free Facebook group and say, here are my best practices for prioritizing your work weeks. But if you want individual help, if you want one-on-one advice, then I have this other thing that you can get with me. Because at the end of the day, I can't spend an hour or even 30 minutes with everyone for free when I also have to be fresh for my paying clients. Like Mm. I can't use all my mental bandwidth to give individualized free advice to every single person when I know if I coach for more than three hours a day, I'm pretty useless. So (laughs) I have to make sure the people who have already committed to paying me, they get good help. Like they get the help that they have paid for. So it's not fair to them if I run myself ragged, just filling up every free moment with free calls. So it's better for me to distribute more generalized information or like I'm taking part in a free summit next week to help people and stuff like that. I can still educate for free in a broad sense. But if people want specific help for them, for their exact circumstance, for, you know, whatever their goals are, then it becomes something that's paid. And you can also get creative with how you do that. So if you do like a, like my one off offer is going to be less than like what I would charge for a regular ongoing coaching relationship. And I'm going to have a limited amount of spaces. You can also do if you want to divert some of your regular pay to like a special organization right now, like a local food bank and let your clients know like, you know, now through May 1st, anyone who starts working with me, I'm going to take 10% and give it to the local food bank or something like that. And you can also work out creative financing if you so choose. So if that means that you normally, I don't know, like somebody works with you for three months and they pay you each month for three months, but now you're going to let them like continue to pay you for three months, like maybe stretch it over six payments and just get a good contract in place that they're supposed to keep paying you. Like there's all different ways you can adjust it if you feel called to do that right now. But at the end of the day, working indefinitely for free does nobody any good. And on the flip side, if you think about like, we all have a bunch of freebies that we've downloaded from people (laughs) that just sit in our inbox, like we've never even looked at them, even like really cheap courses that we've purchased and things. Because for a lot of us, if we haven't paid for something, it's too easy to be like, well, I'll get around to it. Oh, well, I'll, you know, like usually we show up in a bigger way when we are financially invested in something. Mm, Pay to play (laughs) for sure. And so what I'm hearing from you is basically like give within your own bandwidth. So just because other people are able to do one-on-one sessions or they are giving away these huge like resource assets doesn't mean you have to. 
you have your own way of serving people. And I totally agree because I thought about it today that when I was racking my mind of like, oh, how can I help my audience right now? But at the same time, not give everything away so that I have nothing for my actual paying clients because I feel very, very grateful and fortunate that all of my podcast guesting clients, like they're like, no, 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 we need this now more than ever. So they are stayed on with me. And so um, I've like evenly distributed their sessions across certain days. And actually what I came up with is, so every single month, I normally offer one hour um, to speak with three people on my email list. Like they're called cup of catch-ups. And I thought, hey, what about for the first time ever, I'll set aside an hour as I normally do, but how about we do a community group call instead? And maybe that could work. So that's still the same bandwidth, an hour a month, but it's re- it's kind of like been pivoted and like played with in a different way that actually could meet the needs of more people right now. So that's an example, Quiet Rebels, those of you who are listening mm-hmm. right now, that that is a way that you can give within your own bandwidth, but still adapt to the situation at hand. Yeah, I love it. That is a really good example. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. So, Erica, we have covered a lot. We've covered mindset shifts. We've covered your um, no sleeves sales method, which again, I will put the link in the show notes. So for those of you who do want to grab that freebie, which don't leave this like, you know, gathering digital dust on your hard drive. I know we just mentioned that because it's free, but if you do want to be able to sell ethically without sleaze, especially during this time, or even when this coronavirus era has passed, this is still something that you're going to learn. Head to the link in my show notes. So it's going to be makeathang.com forward slash zero four three. Okay. So Erica, is there any final like lessons or, um, one nugget of wisdom that you would love to share with the Quiet Rebel audience today before we start wrapping up? Yeah, I would just say if you believe in what you sell, if you know that it helps others, that you can release the guilt of asking people to pay you for it. Because I'm sure you could easily think of five things right now that you pay for or you have paid for that you are so glad you did and you don't feel negative in any way against the company or the person that you spent mm. the money with. Mm. Oh, that, that's such a good nugget of wisdom. And I feel that that can almost be an exercise in itself. Like name five things that you're so grateful f- that you have paid for and think of five different people, what they could say about your service or your product that you are offering because it helps people. Yes, at Rebels, that is going to be an exercise. So if you are going to do that, share with us like what you think on Instagram and tag both Erica and I. We would love to see that for sure. Erica, I come up with these things. Like it's like, hey, we're gonna turn it into an exercise now. But that's great. Um even if people just like leave it with a nugget that is so true. You are grateful for many things in your life because you have bought them. So that is how someone else can feel and they do feel that when they work with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And sorry, was there something else you want to say? I was just going to say, if you find me on Instagram, tag me at it's Erica Tebbins Consulting. That is where I hang out the most on social media. So Erica Tebbins Consulting. Yeah, I'll be sure to pop that handle in uh, the show notes as well, which actually brings me to uh, my last three questions of the interview. So number one, where can people find you? So now we know it's on Instagram. (laughs) Yep. Yes. So I mean, I'm, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and stuff too, but I hang out mostly on Instagram. So yeah, Erica Tebbins Consulting. Um, My website is just Erica Tebbins.com. Com. And like truly, you can always say hi to me in my DMs. I'm such an extrovert. I love meeting new people. <laughs> and the freebie is at bit.ly forward slash no sleaze selling. So all lowercase, all one word, no sleaze selling. You can get that there. 
Yeah, for sure. And for those of you who want all of those links, which I'm sure you will, again, megasign.com forward slash 043, where I'm going to list all of Erica's links for the freebie to find her on LinkedIn if you want to connect on LinkedIn or maybe Instagram, which is her number one favorite platform or her website. If you do want to find out more on how you can implement no sleep selling into your business right now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. Yeah. And so one of my favorite questions, one of, okay, these last two questions are both my favorites. So I can't really, it's like picking my favorite children. I don't have children yet, but <laughs> it's like picking my favorite children. So here's child number one. <laughs> so Erica, what makes you a quiet rebel? You're speaking to a quiet rebels audience today. So share with us why you're one of us. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny because in real life, I am a very loud talker. I'm like half Italian. And so <laughs> we're just a very loud talking family. But I think how I show up digitally is that I am very much like what you see is what you get. So which seems weird that that is like a rebellious thing. But I think a lot of people think they have to show up as this persona, this like business persona in attempt to be successful. And I just don't. I can't imagine like not just being me all the time, even if people think that me is really weird. So I think that that is how I rebel is like, and I am also somebody who is if somebody's like, well, this is the way that it has to be. I'm kind of like, oh, is it really? I'm going to purposely now try to do it a different way to prove to you that that's wrong because I'm very stubborn. But yeah, <laughs> I don't get like weird or angry about it. So I think that's how I'm quiet about it. I'm just sort of like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm going to prove it to myself that it can be done. Yeah. And if you want to follow along, follow. But if not, that's totally cool. And I love that. And oh my gosh. So this is a audio interview, obviously. But my lovelies, Erica has bright purple hair and I am so going to take a picture. So it's, Erica, we're going to take a zoom <laughs> selfie after this so that you can see how wondrous hair is beautiful. <laughs> So she is a quiet rebel, but she I think she's a normal rebel as well. But she's definitely one of us because the work that she does with no sleep selling and being able to do this in such an ethical way, that is something that we all can resonate with. So thank you so much, Erica, for the work that you do. And that brings me to the final question. This is child number two. <laughs> the final question is how I love to round off every single podcast episode on the podcast is this. So when my audience hears the sound effect... It means it's time for a fact of the day. So basically, Erica, I'm going to ask you, what is one thing that we can't easily find out about you on your website or on your social media, but something that you just want us quiet rebels to know about you? Mm. So this is a really weird thing. I don't like crying in front of other people. So when I say I cry, I don't mean like ugly cry, but whenever <laughs> I go to art museums, so like I have been... I don't like professionally do art or anything, but I've been into art and creativity since I was really, really little. And I love art museums. But whenever I go to an art museum, I'm so moved by it that I like quietly cry. Like it's not, again, not ugly cry. You probably wouldn't notice if you weren't looking closely at me, but I get weirdly emotional every single time I go to an art museum. Oh, I love that. What kind of art pieces are you looking at? Is it like very obvious what it is or like what is it that moves you? I'm very curious. It's not even like a certain genre or anything. It's not even like sad looking paintings. It's... Mm -hmm. I think it's literally like the fact that somebody made the thing mm -hmm. and it's like their work and their time and their talent and passion and all of that encapsulated in a single piece of art. And that especially if it's really old and it's been 
kept for hundreds of years and it's made it this far. It's all of that. I I think I'm just like mesmerized by the fact that you can look at something that somebody else created that is so beautiful or powerful or yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And I'm a huge crier and I've been told I'm a pretty crier, which is very sweet of the people or maybe... (laughs) Maybe they're just trying to make me feel better to stop crying because maybe I'm actually an ugly crier. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I cry easily, but I know what you mean about that type of cry. You're so moved that it's not a word. It's not a sound. No other senses are engaged. It's, it's just your heart is just connected directly. And I think that's something extremely special that is it's a true gift that artists do have to communicate everything in such a way that something that is still it doesn't speak it doesn't move it doesn't say anything but that is very special so thank you so much for sharing that with us yeah you're welcome you're welcome right so erica it's been amazing you having you on the quiet rebels podcast i know that this conversation is going to resonate with so many of us so thank you so much for being here Yeah. And one other place you can find me, I totally forgot to mention, I know you had mentioned it earlier, but is my podcast, Sell It Sister. So it comes out every week. I have all sorts of sales and marketing advice that is very practical. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. you can check that out too. We do do love a a good practical. We do like a little bit of woo, but mainly practical with woo on the side. (laughs) Yeah. Like I definitely, you know, a lot of mine is mindset. It's not all how-to and stuff, but it's just, I'm a firm believer that everyone can learn sales and marketing. And so that's what I really focus on over there. Love it. Definitely link up to that. And I'll also link to the episode that we did together because that's how we first met, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which people love. I get people tell me all the time, like, I love that episode and I used her tips and I got booked on a podcast. Thank you. Oh my God, really? Yes. All the time. (laughs) So happy. (laughs) Definitely. So yeah, I'm going to link up your podcast as well as a freebie, Instagram, LinkedIn, and website. So Nancy. <laughs> so Nancy's my editor for You Quite Rebels, if you don't know. But yeah, she is going to pop everything in the show notes. So thank you again, Erica, for all of the wisdom you shared today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And there we have it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, my dear Quiet Rebel, because the fact that you clicked on this very one means that you have compassion. You care about the people that you serve in your business, which is why specifically you want to learn how to sell ethically and without the sleaze. And trust me, if you follow Erica's framework and download her freebie, which I'm going to pop into the show notes, then you are going to be able to be one of those people who's able to stand up for the things that you believe in. So that way you can enable your audience, your customers and your clients to do the same thing. So I want you to get creative in different ways that you can best serve your audience right now. And honestly, like, I'm really glad that I brought up that question towards the end where it's like, how much do you give of yourself? Because there are so many other, honestly, I felt a little bit inferior at one point because I thought, oh, am I giving enough? Because everyone else is giving different things. And then I had to take a step back and remind myself, I am doing what I can. And so you, my dear quiet rebel, you do what you can within your own bandwidth. Don't overstretch yourself because of what other people are doing. You can only do this within your means. And now is not the time to overexert yourself. Now is the time to really hone down on what your unique gifts are, what message you need to share in order to help those who need you. Okay, so get creative with that. 
And honestly, when it came to the current program that I'm about to start in the next couple of weeks at the time of this recording, I did not plan for it. I thought to myself, let me launch this in June when I can get all of the email sequences tuned in. I've got my new webinars planned and all that kind of stuff. That was on my mind. And then suddenly, because if you didn't notice about me, I actually went to San Diego before the outbreak got really out of hand. And luckily, I got back to the UK before the travel ban. But when I was there, Almost every speaker there was saying how important it was to be able to show up for your audience to be visible. And if you can't do it in person on stage, then do it via podcast. And I'm not, that's honestly the truth that what they said. And that gave me a lot of like, oh, maybe I'm kind of like holding back on how I can help people. And there was honestly people there at that conference that was like, okay, Meike, when are you teaching this next? When are you opening this next? And I thought, why not now? And as a form of me being able to serve you, because I understand that for many people, you know, money may be tight right now. Maybe you are supporting a spouse of yours who does have a brick and mortar business, or maybe they have an in-person job that they can no longer be able to go to right now. So if it's you and you're thinking to yourself, I can't afford or I don't want to put myself in a place where I am worried about money, then honestly, don't register for this. I mean that. The people who are best suited for this program right now are those who are ready to take action. The investment that I put on this, I'm going to be completely upfront, is going to be 497. I was going to raise it to 997. That was going to be the investment for the next launch, but I don't feel good in doing that right now. But what I can do to help serve you is to offer live implementation in a group setting for that investment of 497. There is a payment plan available as well. So if any of this interests you at all, then what I'm going to do, I'm going to pop a link in my show notes. That's going to take you straight to my Canonly. The URL will have a quick chat with MK, I believe, <laughs> in the URL. And so you click on that and just like put your name down and we can jump on a chat because it is via interview only. I want to make sure that we are on the same page. I'm just going to listen to you to see if it's a good fit. And if it is, then I'll welcome you on board. And if not, then it's not meant to be it right now. Like Erica said, not now doesn't mean not ever. So this is what I'm sharing with you and I know it's going to help you, right? So I want you to kind of like use this as an example of how you can lead the charge in your own industry. What can you sell in order to serve your people right now? This is my version. So what's yours? Okay, so That is it for today's episode. I really hope that you got a lot of value from Erica because, you know, she has an entire podcast called Sell It Sister, right? So for, uh, and again, you know, for my awesome men who listen to this podcast as well, I thought of you the entire way. Even though that's her primary target audience, that's totally fine. That is her business. And you know, my quiet rebels here, if you're a quiet rebel, then you belong here, right? And so I just want to share with you that everything that was shared in this interview today, it applies to every single person who wants to sell ethically and without sleeves. And the fact that you tuned into this means that you are one of those people. So you you are welcome to use the non-sleeves method however you wish. Okay, but ultimately, I hope that we have left you in good standing of knowing how you can sell ethically to your people. So thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you do like this episode, please be sure to screenshot it and share it on Instagram because that's where both um, Erica and I do hang out. So hers is Erica Tevins Consulting and mine is Mekay Sang, M-A-I-K-E-T-S-A-N-G. 
So we hope to catch you in the DMs. And yes, so thank you so much for tuning in today. And I look forward to the next episode where we're going to be talking about how to stay productive when you're working from home, especially if you're a parent. And for me, if you already know me very well, you know that I'm not a parent yet. But I am intrigued in this because I know that many people's lives have been affected by the coronavirus. And so as a result, they've had to really change their work schedule from home. And many of my fellow peers in my mastermind, they have already shared with like how difficult it has been. So I want to have this conversation on the podcast next week, whether you're a parent or not, on how you can really make the most out of working from home. So stay tuned for that by subscribing. And that is all from me this week. So thank you so much, my lovely, for tuning in with us today. I know I've said that probably like five times now. (laughs) I truly do mean it. So yeah, thank you so much. And bye for now.